you know, it's uh, it's like that challenge. Like, I don't think you could actually be a man. Watch me, father. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> you say I can't do something. I can do it twice as hard. <laughs> Hold my beata, dude. <laughs> Hold my beata. <laughs> Yes, that just happened. You just listened to the intro to the Beatitudes. Really, the song that's kind of catching fire all over America right now. A little bit in Australia, if I'm looking at the statistics. Am I right? <laughs> yes, and Canada. <laughs> in Canada. My name is Jeff Shufflebine. I'm one of the Beatitudes, and I'm so blessed to be joined by co-host Paul Kolker. Howdy, howdy. Howdy. And then uh, Nick Besner. <laughs> what's going on, everybody? Man, your what's going on has this deep baritone to it that just uh people everywhere have been they want more what's going on what's going on there you go <laughs> <laughs> so the beatitudes is a show for christian men seeking authentic fraternity as they grow in humor and holiness with one another and at the end of the day this is all about seeking to do god's will and we found a way to do that with a whole lot of craziness in between right amen yes amen. <laughs> and i am so excited about this the first priest to join us on our show yeah, did you even know? No, I had no idea. This yeah, is the no big idea. moment. This is big. Yeah, this so we have Father Ken Geraci joining us in studio. Father, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, of course. Do you already feel like a beatitude? Basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have a sticker. <laughs> you do have a sticker. Yes. <laughs> so, like, it's basically official. So, yeah, yeah no, I mean, it, doesn't, it doesn't trump my religious vows, but it's, like, right there under it. it so. Yeah. That's well, a good it, way to put it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a form of evangelization. Right. Somebody's, like, not ready for the big the big game, so you just call him a beatitude. Beatitude, come just on in. We're you the too. farm league of the, uh, <laughs> the religious life. Hey, dude. <laughs> I think that might actually be sacrilegious. Oh, maybe. Probably. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. Uh, forgive me, Father, for I just sinned. <laughs> I know a guy. <laughs> I know a guy. <laughs> I know a guy. Father, where where in the America do you live? We're so blessed to have you right now with us. Where do you live? Fathers of Mercy are in Western Kentucky, so we're just outside of Bowling Green, Kentucky. Okay, and that's where our monastery is at. The the Generalate, because that's where the Superior General. Generalate. Yes, yeah, Superior General resides there, so it's the Generalate. New a term for me. Uh, You're yeah. learning all sorts. If of it's new stuff. for you, Jeff. It's, it's definitely new for me. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good setup. So the Fathers of Mercy, would you call that an order? An apost- what yeah. is this? We're a religious order of pontifical rights. So we were founded in France in the 1800s. And wow. then, yeah, we were founded to battle the uh, Enlightenment mentalities that infiltrated after the uh, French Revolution. And so as the anti-clerical government took over in 1839, we were exiled, property confiscated, Whoa. scattered, and ultimately ended up in America. Was and that, so we died out everywhere else. Was that all under Napoleon? Was that like that time? Am I getting my history right? Yeah, yeah, it's all connected to oh, that okay. time period. Yeah. Right. So our before Napoleon was really bad, uh, our founder was his chaplain for a period. Oh my and the chaplain wow. to the to the royal family. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, it's it's crazy how it all worked out. But we're good guys. We're not we're not with him. We're like he was like him bad, we good. So we're with Jesus. I mean, that's like a tough history, but thanks be to God you're here in America. Well, it's amazing how it works out is that when you look at our founding and what we had to endure and why we were founded, our founder chose the title Mercy. We're technically the Congregation of the Priests of Mercy of the Immaculate Conception. So that's our title. Yeah. And when our founder was tasked with founding a religious order to, to counteract the aftermath of the French Revolution, he chose one word, two words, God's mercy. Right? Yeah. God's mercy is the answer to that. Now, when you look at what's happening societally, not just in America, but worldwide, the Marxist ideologies, all this craziness happened in our society. Like, 
We're on the front lines. Prime <laughs> time, baby. Does it get um, easier to attract new priests to this movement no. when you have a no. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'll just cut you off there, Jeff. No, it's just, <laughs> there's no. Just, like, we want them. Yeah, we I just thought maybe them. if it's darker, then the light becomes more attractive. I got to tell you, there's a crisis in manhood these days. Like, Amen. guys won't square their shoulders and Amen. lean into the cross and Let's commit and do... Sit up a yeah, little bit just, here. <laughs> <something> <laughs> my posture. Okay. <laughs> I mean, but it's a challenge. We live yeah. in this society now that, that coddles and... and Anyhow, so, but, and there are many that are stepping forward, and there's a lot of great men out there, but generically speaking, there is a a backseat riding manhood going on, so. And almost the the young men who probably still have that desire in them to, to step into it are being told at every corner not to, whether it's yeah. pop culture, it's the education systems, it's their families are kind of pushing down this masculinity as if it's somehow bad. Right, right. Mm. Yeah. And we're made for sacrifice. We're made for that challenge. And that's, that's right. what we got to go do. You just hit my, like, my, that's like my go, go, uh, Jeff, go do button. You have a little, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Is like confetti going to fall when we hit this? Is that yes. Right? And, it, you know, it's, uh, it's like that challenge. Like, I don't think you could actually be a man. Watch me, father. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> you say, my, I can't do something. I can do it twice as hard. <laughs> hold my beatitude. <laughs> hold my beatitude. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. I love, I love that you went with the, the small crucifix here today, Father. I'm compensating for my lack of humility. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. That's how you know I'm in a state of grace is that it's stinging, sting put. So if it falls off, you know there's a problem. got to do something about that. Yeah, yeah. So this is a mission cross. This is okay. So it's used for preaching. Obviously, we preach Christ crucified, but then also I can pack it and give blessings. And, oh, wow. Um, so, yeah. So and it's, uh, it's 100 years old, solid brass. Incredible. So uh, to describe this to somebody who's actually listening and not watching, this thing is a Good seven inches tall. Yeah, so, it's solid. And um, um, oh, I just heard it hit the table. At that <laughs> it is uh, truly a weapon in every way. Yeah. So spiritual warfare. It, you know, this is where the victory was won, right? And so when okay. we look at the victory being won, uh, we are fighting from that point of victory. And so it doesn't make us automatic winners. You have to participate. You have to unite yourself to Calvary. And so as we unite ourselves to Calvary, we're constantly calling to imitate, imitate Jesus Christ, follow him in all things, including the sacrifice, including the suffering, to find peace amongst the problems, not a life without problems, but a peace amongst them. And so we look at all of these things as an opportunity to imitate Christ. And so um, just a little bit about the Fathers of Mercy. Please. Um, there's a distinction we make. There's there's a couple of different pre- types of priests. So um, we'll get into my background a little later. But like I didn't know. I thought a priest was a priest, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you got two types of priests. You have religious and diocesan pre- priest. Uh, diocesan priest is your standard priest in a parish setting. So he's kind of like a shepherd of souls, right? He has a mm-hmm. he has a flock in that geographic area, and he does all of the elements of the priesthood with that flock. A religious priest is called to specialize in one particular apostolate. There's the Franciscans that work with the poor, Dominicans, educators, right? Father's mercy, we are preachers and confessors, and we're mm. traveling confessors and preachers. Wow. So we travel the U.S., spend six to, seven months of the, six to seven months of the year on the road, going place to place, and preaching the mercy of God to lead people into an encounter with Christ, leading them to repentance, hearing their confessions, and encouraging them, building them up. And so that's what the Fathers of Mercy do. 
So itinerant preachers is that's, that? That wow, is okay. a very fancy word. I don't use that word because <laughs> you spend most some know. time in seminary. Oh, can, you, can, you, can, you, can, you, yes. can you translate that for do, me? Paul? Do the five year old the five year old <laughs> yeah. version well, of that one. It's like the word itinerary, right? Yeah. So like they they move around. Got it. Travel. Yeah. yeah. Wow, Paul, way to go! Thank you. I know a thing or two about a thing or two. You certainly do. And so you you were in town, uh, and we were able to capture you because you were in town for the Young Catholic Professionals uh, big annual meeting and yes. gala. Great times. Love to hear anything on that. But what else are you doing now that you're sticking around in North Texas? So uh, for the rest of this week, so uh, last night starting this morning, I launched our parish mission that we're doing over in Wiley, so on the east side of town. That's right. So I'm here through Thursday and then uh, finish in Wiley and then uh, San Antonio in the weekend and then Hallettsville uh, Wednesday, Thursday night. You're seven months on the road. Is there a day off in those seven months? Yeah, I've got, <laughs> I've got Monday and Tuesday off. I mean, All right. Oh, nice. Great, yeah, it's going to be fantastic. How do you make it work in hotels? Like, Do you have any secrets to make hotels not terrible? Um, well, so the, <laughs> that's the best part about our traveling is that most places we go, we're staying at a parish rectory, uh, which has its own sense. cringiness to it. So that's, sure, <laughs> there's sure. Some, there's some that are really nice. Yeah, and then there's some that is like a college dorm room. It is it's sketch. Yeah, you gotta like <laughs> kick the AC to get it to come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you, these sheets from the 70s. You're just like this comforter yes. is like it's older than me. So. When you talked about the two types of priests, I was convinced when I was young that priests sleep in the basement. I just didn't know where the basement was. Okay, um, because I never saw a priest. <laughs> I was like wondering, where, where's yeah, your bed? Where, yeah. You go back there at the end of Mass. <laughs> well, I guess you go downstairs. Yeah, no. Um, but it wasn't until I was 15 that a priest was in my house, and uh, the pressure was so great because my parents put salad in front of me, and I was like, Ollie, dude, I guess there, there's a priest here. I should probably eat salad and not look like a bad kid. So I think it's important to be out and about. <laughs> a lot has changed since then. My faith grew into meat and other side dishes as well. <laughs> put a Bible in front of you or something like an examination of conscience. Like don't do this. Don't do that. Come on. It's great. If the conversions were that easy, I'd love it. Yeah. Well, it was, uh, it was pretty powerful. I can't sin anymore. You know? Yeah. (laughs) It is done. Awesome. So, uh, tell us about, well, actually, you know what? Why don't we take a time out here? Okay. I would like to, uh, think about this whole idea of asking you to participate right now. We want to ask you to participate as a judge. We want you to kind of take off Mm. your non-judgmental, hat mm. and just judge us that's gonna be hard well yeah. so no mercy i'm gonna find a way yeah. no mercy no mercy nice channel deep into my here right, on the beata dudes we have a special game nick you want to introduce this to us this game is called blessed are the joke makers mm. for they shall inherit the points so father between one and 600 how many points is this worth Solid 450, I think. Oh, this is going to be the biggest points we've ever had. Wow. So yeah. you gave I'm, him an I'm upper ready to limit. show up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're feeling this. That's what I would say. Okay, good. Well, so Paul's going to tell you high. what happens Stakes next. Stakes are high. All right, so here's what's going to happen. We've got a character card and a question card. And so the character is who we have to answer the question as. And so the we, questions are pretty Catholic. They're pretty Catholic. It's from the Catholic game. So we try to keep it, you know, kind of in the same ballpark as the show, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all good. And so we're going to take on this persona. As best we can, Jeff usually becomes Australian, and um, and then the, we have to answer the question as that character. All right, so here we go. As the perkiest cheerleader, oh my gosh, Michelangelo's newest painting is titled blank. Give me a D. Give me an A. Give me a V. Give me an ID, David. 
450 points are at stake. Yes. Well, Which that's, means I, I didn't win them. <laughs> I think when you put that number out there, all of us have been in this like frozen state of this is the most points. This could actually put any one of us back in some sort of a lead. We're not exactly sure. So yeah. uh, Michelangelo's newest painting is called Me. It's a selfie. It's <laughs> <laughs> a solid play. It's a solid play. Pretty we good. just don't know is it a selfie of Michelangelo or of the cheerleader. I got nothing. <laughs> Sorry. That's, that's fair. You fold. You, you, here, I, you have to take I was the cards a, I was a football player. Fold them. Not yeah. a cheerleader. I'm not happy about this. 450 points on the line. <laughs> I'm pretty upset, but I'm just trying to think if virtue trumps funny. I'm like, do I give him the points for humility for just calling it? Wow. Oh, I think, wow, wait, I think this is what we're doing. I think no. we're giving him oh the points goodness. for humility. I've never seen this move. Whether you like it or not, we're going with the humble. Wow. Okay, so that is what mercy Amazing. does, right? Like we earned something, and he just got given the points. Amazing. So that's the, that's the the brothers, right? There's a lot of learning in there. That. That's I, a parable. The lessons that are coming out of the attitudes today <laughs> are deep. Father, you found a way to bring <laughs> to bring a like I'm questioning everything I've ever believed about. <laughs> Winning competition. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Nick, congratulations on uh, on winning. Uh, <laughs> Thank you so much. Rare form. Well done. Well Thank done. you so much. Listen, humility is a door that opens the Lord's to God's heart. Hey, Amen. Well, speaking of oh. opening the door, we're going to give you some socks to wear when you what? do it. So, uh, <laughs> Sock Religious is an official sponsor of the Beatitudes at SockReligious.com slash Beatitudes. You can get 10% off. And Father, you're getting the socks of St. John Vianney. How do you feel about St. John Vianney? I love St. John Vianney. Well, good. Well, listen, we're going to hear from our other sponsors. We're going to come back and we're going to hear the story of Father Ken before the father part was on there. And we will be right back here on the Beatitudes. Welcome back, everybody. Sitting here with Father Ken Geraci. Nailed it. (laughs) Got it. Got it. Um, and one of the things you said in the first segment there, Father, uh, participating and uh, uniting to Calvary. I thought that was a really, really uh, interesting perspective. Um, before you were a father, was that a concept that was in your life? No. Okay, so you've you've gone through some sort of a journey. So there was the BC stage, right? The before Christ. Ah. <laughs> so um, yeah, so I grew up in this nominal Catholic family, or or a typical 1980s Catholic family, as my mom likes to say. And um, we were I was sacramentalized. Uh, there's three categories we talk about: sacramentalized, sacramentalized, and catechized. Sacramentalized, catechized, and evangelized. Oh, mm. nice. And so I had received the sacraments only, knew nothing about our faith, and had no encounter with Christ. Mm. And so uh, our family went to church. We did everything the church asked us to do, but it was namely the second and third collection and uh, a bake sale. Never asked us to pray, never asked us to read scriptures, come to daily mass or go to confession. So um, in that period of time, uh, I had forced to go to church, never wanted to go, never understood it. We were always late, stood in the back. You know, it was just totally unconnected from it. And my senior year of high school, my parents' marriage ended in divorce. I played my mom against my dad and gave up faith and religion altogether, embraced agnosticism, and went off to college to think that money was going to make me happy. 
And my senior year of college, kind of the short version of the story, is I was recruited out of school to go to work for a computer company in 98. We were doing primary market research on MP3 players and ebooks, so we were one of the first companies out there getting products in the market space. Yeah, oh, wow. fascinating. Yeah, it was it was amazing time, and the people I working with are, were brilliant, but they were all Christians. It was weird. Huh. Um, then my boss invited me to do a startup company, and we worked nights and weekends on top of our paying job, and uh, a venture capital firm invested four and a half million dollars in it. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so that was my start. You know, one year out of college, I'm like, American dream, baby, <laughs> boom. You got to test that money theory pretty quickly. Boy, it got there quickly. <laughs> I mean, it, so here's the crazy thing is like, you know, I went to Stephen F. Austin State in Nacogdoches. I'm like, mm-hmm. it's not noted as the, you know, the you know technology business school of the world. But, <laughs> but this is where God worked. God, like, yeah. God followed me. He didn't, you know, it's just all these, there's so many divine providence moments in this. But... In this process, um, my boss comes up to me one day and he effectively says this. I'm going to summarize three or four conversations into just a few sentences. He comes up to me after we get our funding and he goes, professionally, Ken, I have no problems with you, but personally, I do. Um, When we're with clients or investors and you see a cross, you make a Christian reference. But you've told me you don't believe in God. You don't pray. You don't go to church. And some of the stories you tell are unbecoming a man, let alone a Christian. Yes. Whoa. That's fraternal correction. <laughs> he, but he wasn't even correcting. He wasn't being a jerk. He was just stating an observation. Yeah. This is my experience of you. This is my observation. This is what I see. And he asked me, he's like, I'm just trying to figure out which is it. So wow. my, my first conversion was a call to authenticity and integrity. Mm, wow. To let my yes be yes and no be no. So that was number one. Then Mike went one step further. He invited me to mass with he and his family. And I went back to mass and I saw the most brilliant intellectual mind, engineering mind that I knew, kneeling before Jesus in the Eucharist. Now that did not convert me, but you're just like, he, he really believes. Yeah, Something's going on here. Something's going on here. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward, have go from agnostic to spi- oh, spiritual for a spiritual. while. I was studied all the isms, um, <laughs> um, Buddhism, Taoism, and then from agnostic spiritual to um, Christian, and then ultimately to Catholicism. And then I was on a date when I realized I was supposed to be a priest. So. You're on a date. <laughs> on worst, a date. Worst date ever. Funny how that works. Best date ever. So True. I'm sitting yeah. on this date, and I'm literally like, she calls me, she's like, hey, you want to come? There's a priest coming to my church tonight. And I'm like, I don't know. And this is like my first real relationship, like courtship, no boundary violations, like everything is going, like yeah. just getting to know each other. And I'm like, I don't want to go to church, man. I've never met a priest that had a pulse or like what he did before. And she's like, no, it'll be great. And I'm like, okay. So we're sitting there together. And um, in the middle of this priest talk, I have the most honest thought I've ever had. I think to myself, if he says I'm signing people up in the back to become priest, I'll go. (laughs) (laughs) Like the most honest thought I've ever had. This is in Austin, all right? Austin, Texas, St. Louis. 20 seconds after I have that thought, she leans over, elbows me in the side, and she goes, hey, are you sure you're not supposed to be a priest? <laughs> and I turned into a statue. I froze, and I looked at the tabernacle, and I said, okay, if this priest so much as references the priesthood, I will stand up right now, and I will go. But that did not count. There's That's <laughs> not it. No, I need more that, of a sign. No, no, I'm like, that did not count. I said, if he says something, I know what I said. That I, and uh, he didn't say anything. And that happened in Austin in November. I moved to Houston in February to pick up some consulting work. The thought about being a priest bothers me every day. And someone asked me, which is better for your life, your plan, or God's? 
fine gods. <laughs> Trump card. Yeah, I'm like, all right, fine, you're going to go that way. And I'm like, all right. And uh, he said, how do you feel about meeting someone and just praying about it, getting to know, thinking about it? And I said, I could do that. And he goes, here's a name. So I go across town, knock on the door, and out walks the same priest. That was yes. four months earlier. <laughs> and I literally shake his hand, and I say, my name is Ken Geraci. I think I'm supposed to be a priest. Wow. That was it. Wow. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. All right. So that so started it all. It, well, and keep going on this because uh, I don't know, was he of a specific order? Was he parish? He was. He was. He was, he was in a religious order. And, okay. and just, uh, but that started that process. So. And then how do you discern through that process? Because obviously there's a lot ahead of saying I'm interested to actually getting ordained. How do you go through that and become one of the fathers of mercy? Yeah, so that's where the prayer side of it comes in and wisdom comes in yeah. because, um, <laughs> like, literally, I've, I'm losing my marbles. Like, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, and, like, and I'm like, like, foam frothing at the mouth at this point. And, you know, and you meet that overexcited Catholic guy, and, like, I was him in that moment. And you just appreciate you're just like, all right, pump the brakes, man. Just, just, <laughs> have you taken your medication today? Yeah, right. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> And uh, so, so they're like, all right, listen, we got to pray, we got to discern, we got to think through this. And thanks be to God, because um, you have to look at where God is calling you, right? So there are these, you know, Father Bill Casey says, the call to the priesthood is one of those thoughts that starts and nags and will not go away. It's this crazy thought. Why would I do that? But then it leads and leads and leads. And there's a lot of sacrifice involved. And so um, as I prayed through it, I received some really good advice. And one of those pieces of advice is if you close your eyes and see yourself as a priest today, what would it look like? Yeah. And my knee-jerk response was hearing confessions and preaching in that order. And the priest that I was talking to said, then start looking at religious communities. Because it goes back to that distinction I made earlier. Mm. Shepherd yeah. versus yeah. Yep. fisherman, right? Yep. So a fisherman, you know, anyhow, we'll get into that later, but... But it's that that um, apostolate specific versus um, people specific. So the call to the diocesan priesthood is a call to a people of a geography, doing all the works of the priesthood, where religious life is a call to an apostolate of charism, and working geographic diversely. So, so when you speaking of that, so you're out right now in the east side of Dallas doing a, a parish mission. Yep. Is that like welcomed by that parish priest, this shepherd? You're part of the team now. Yep. How does that work? Yeah, exactly. It's like I'm Arthur Anderson coming in to do a little consulting. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> nice. No audits, though. No audits. No. Um, yeah, no. You, you. Um, so yeah, they invite you in, and and basically a parish mission. So you got to th remember, a parish is not the church. A parish is a geographic boundary yeah. surrounding the the parish, the church. So you know this is important. So when we say parish, that's what we're talking about—a geographic boundary. A lot of people don't realize the pastor is responsible for 100% of the souls in that geography. Mm. Yeah, no matter what they're doing this week and no matter where they have or haven't been to church. That's right. And maybe 1% of that geography comes to their church. Mm. Yeah. And so, so a parish mission not only edifies and builds up those who are coming through the church doors, but I, through my prayers, fasting, uh, all everything that comes into this that we bring, and then everything we do while we're here— this is spiritually cultivating and nourishing all of the souls in this geography. So this is so vitally important. So we tell our guys, again, this is what I was told when I joined. I asked, how do you train your men to preach? And our superior at the time said, we don't. He said, each guy has to figure that out for himself. You're thinking our success comes from our preaching. It doesn't. 80% of our success comes from our prayer life. Mm -hmm. 
then you show up and do that very, very important 20% that you have to do very well. And so prayer, fasting, you know, spiritual exercises, um, devotions, having those relationships with the saints, engaging in that, dropping the heavy bombs in before I get there. I offer a novena of masses before I arrive at a place. I'm just sending the howitzers in and I'm just (laughs) because I'm like, I'm not good at what I, I mean, I'm good at what I do, but I'm not like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm great at what I do, but I know God is, God is, God (laughs) is. And I'm like, and I'm like, it's funny. The homily priest was praying. He's like, this is a true story. He goes, uh, he goes, Lord, he goes, I've preached 5,000 homilies. and I don't know if I've gotten one convert. Would you please? And so that next mass he preached, this guy comes up to him and, his father, you've changed my life. My nephew will never be the same. And he pr- prepared this wonderful homily. He goes, what did I, he goes, he's like, thank you, Lord. He's like, <laughs> then he went one step too far. He goes, what did I say? And, and he goes, he goes, I know exactly what you said. You said, now I'm finished with my first part and I need to move on to the second part. And that's what I need to do. <laughs> <laughs> so deep, so deep, so deep. But, but really, I mean, so it doesn't matter, um, it matters what you say. It matters what you do. It has to be rooted in the truth. But that's a beautiful thing about our faith is that everything is so powerful. It's so refined. If you just give people what's in the catechism, you're giving them pure, solid spiritual gold. Mm-hmm. If I fast an afternoon for a parish, I mean, I'm just talking from, from 1 o'clock in the afternoon until I go to bed. Just don't eat. Yeah, not, It's not that big of a deal. But think of the spiritual grace that obtains. And that's just not me. That's all of us. We can all do that. Yeah. Father, I know that um, every one of us has spiritual gifts and things yeah. that we have been called to use uh, for Christ's glory. Would you reflect on any spiritual gifts that you know you have? Yeah, I, I have a variety of them. I think this preaching is clearly one of them. you got um, the voice for it. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, buddy, listen to your voice. Maybe you should be preaching. <laughs> Not singing, preaching. <laughs> That's a fundamental People difference. People just here. like to listen to you. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah we're, barely, we're barely talking, really, if you yeah. compare it to our other episodes. Welcome to Smooth Tunes with yeah. the Beatitudes. <laughs> smooth Tunes with the Beatitudes. Man, um, we're going to come out with a line of everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> great. We got Beatitude iced tea. Um, <laughs> we put the bee leaf in pure leaf. It's <laughs> um, awesome. Uh, so, yeah, there's a variety of charisms. A confessor. God, I mean, what Beautiful. God allows me to do in the confessional is unbelievable. Mm. It's, it's phenomenal. Um, I'm not a Padre Pio or a Vianney or anything like that, but but the way that God uses me in, in touching souls, and it's just it's just very powerful. Mm. Um, one of the more extraordinary gifts that he's given me is is a gift of healing. Okay. And so um, God has given me a capacity in a couple different departments. Um, one helping people with forgiveness issues. The other one is praying with people for physical healing, mm. emotional healing, or spiritual healing. So three types of healings that can take place. And so, um, when I pray with people, it's, you know, there's always a sense of peace. And, and this is, you know, for me, this started, gosh, way back in seminary, um, was when I first realized I had the gift, um, and then as we tested it and cultivated it and, and, and put me with some mentors that helped discern, is this an authentic gift or was that just kind of a one-off thing? Mm. Um, we recognize it is an actual gift. And so, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's, I think, an important distinction too, because God can use us in any particular way he wants to if, we're, if we've disposed ourselves to, to his will. So right. is it a, a particular charism versus is it like, is it actual is grace? It, yeah. 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 Yep. That's, yep. that's awesome. That's fascinating. I've never met anybody that has that 
ability is that their like, gift 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah because it's pure gift because it's yeah. it's not um and it takes like so so this has been incorporated in my parish mission so basically what i do at a parish mission is i um utilize that gift by by holding the monster i vest in the cope and humor of ale and i just stand at the foot of the sanctuary holding the monstrance with jesus in the monstrance and i invite people to come forward and i just pray with them and so i got 10, 15, 20 people surrounding me as I'm holding the monstrance. And I just pray. And Jesus does his part. I do my part. And Sorry to be specific. Are you praying out loud or are you praying in the silence of the moment? Uh, Mainly in the silence of the moment, but a little bit out loud. And then God will sometimes point out things to me. I think I experience more emotional and spiritual healings in my ministry than I do the physical healings. But there Mm -hmm. have been a variety of spiritual ones. I mean, a variety of physical ones that have happened. When, when you're standing there with the monstrance and people are coming up and praying, yeah. I have to believe that inside of you, you're having, I don't know, like something is moving in you because that has got to be very powerful to have that much prayer and that much kind of need happening right there in front of you. It's not because it's it's all him. That's all I'm believe. I love that. Yeah, I mean, it's just, literally, I mean, it was like what, one time I was, you know, I get excited. I'm like, I'm holding him. I'm like, Lord, like, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? Because sometimes he'll give me like, show yeah. me things and people and I'll say things. I'm like, Lord is, you know. He really wants you to let your heart release and just let that hurt or hatred go. Or, you know, so I say these, you know, so I'll say these things and I'm holding him. I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? And he's like, he's, I got it. I'm good. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're God. I'm like, go Jesus, go. Like, keep doing, keep doing what you're so doing. Like, I would love to say that it's pure reverence on my part, but I'm like, but it's totally interactive between he and I and then us. And so it, it allows this, this deep, intimate connection. And when, and I, watching some men come forward, like you guys are dads, right? You got kids. And so, so this dad with his four or five kids comes up and, and you know, you know how dads are. They're just, you know, trying to make sure that they're down and down enough that they're not going to sprint anywhere. Right. So, so dad's playing goalie and and mom is already in ecstasy. And then, (laughs) and so once he's got the kids settled, then he reaches out to touch the garment and I'm, you know, and he's just, you know, he's not, he's very serious about being there. But there's, there's this, you know, like, okay, I've done my job. Now I'm going to reach out and I'm going to start to pray. And I watch more than one father reach out and touch that humor belt and just lose it. Lose it. Just the, wow. the graces, the release, the, the power of the Eucharist. Um, so unbelievable. And again, you don't, uh, I, I make a caveat. I mean, yes, meeting a person like me who has a gift and has this, this ability to, to help channel those healing graces in that very powerful, intimate moment. Yes, come to one of my missions. Experience it. Or, or go to your adoration chapel Yeah, and just put yourself there. And it doesn't matter if you're two feet or 10 feet or 20 feet from him. Say, Lord, I am here because I need you. With that, I actually want to ask a question to the group. You're part of this group. And so we are going to ask a question. It's called TBD, which is... Stands for the Beatitude. Seems like a little goofy thing to bring up after that powerful <laughs> reflection. <laughs> uh, but the TBD questions are serious, and they're part of a deck that we are building out for just conversation starters so people can integrate faith and fun all together. So the TBD question, the Beatitude TBD question that we want to ask today, and uh, we'll all answer this. And Father, I'd love for you to answer as well. Is And it's, it's pretty wide open here, but it's when is a time that you've experienced healing? And so I don't know if... Maybe I can look at Nick or Paul if you want to start off with that one. When is the time you've experienced healing? Yeah, well, I'll I'll take that. So I 
actually went well. There's there's been a couple times, thanks be to God, uh, of more of more particular graces or more obvious, I guess, uh, graces, I should say. But um, but yeah, I went on the uh, the healing the whole person retreat with Dr. Bob Schutz in in Florida. I've not been. I've heard of it though. Okay, yeah. So it's it's beautiful what they do, and um, it's probably a lot of a lot of crossover there with what you're doing as well because it's confession and adoration. But there's uh, Dr. Bob is is a doctor of psychology and he so he knows his stuff there but he takes it all to prayer and he works with I think it's Father Mark Toops is the is the priest down in that area and so again it's kind of a, a tag team of like the 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 psychological and the spiritual kind of meeting in a, in a grace-filled uh, encounter there and um, it's just it's powerful it's it's beautiful and there's a lot of, of clearing the way that went on in that week-long mm-hmm. retreat where it's okay let's talk about this and let's talk about that and and all throughout, um, it's it's touching on the wound or it's circ- circling the wound, and so you're. For me, it was uh, it was issues with like some frustrations and disappointments, and and there was an anger around that, and so they would talk about certain pieces of it, and I would just find myself getting angry, and I'm like, what mm. what is happening here? Wow. And um, and so then you take that to your uh, individual sessions, and and then also to confession, and start to like really let the Lord into those spots. And, uh, I just remember one of the, one of the pieces of it was going to adoration. And, uh, there was, there was a piece of like, not feeling like God heard me about things like that, that he, he wasn't listening or he wasn't there for me, that kind of connection piece. And, uh, it was interesting how that got brought up. Cause I was walking into the, into the chapel and a bird swooped down and started attacking me. I guess it thought it was I was invading its territory or something. This this really happened. It started like trying to peck at my head. So I ran into the chapel and I get in there and I'm like, okay, I'm safe. And I plop down and start start praying. And um, these two older people behind me are like, so are you going on the pilgrimage this fall? And it's just like the three of us in the chapel and I'm trying to pray in silence. <laughs> and I'm hearing all about the plan to go to the Holy Land and all of this. And I was just like trying to, you know, do the slightly polite but passive-aggressive thing of, like, looking back. And um, and then finally they kind of calm down, and then a mom with four kids comes in, and they're, they're you know, gaggle of kids. And, and it's beautiful. That's great. But it's just like I finally thought I had some silence, and then she comes in. And um, and, and I'm not making any of this up. I feel like God wrote, a, wrote me into a joke. Um, and so uh, – and then finally, like, they kind of, you know, exit, and so – I'm, I'm like, all right, good. I'm finally, finally getting a moment to pray. Cue the cleaning guy. Uh, <laughs> he came in with a vacuum and I kid you not vacuumed right up against my feet. <laughs> right. Like he did not miss a square inch of that carpet. And I was like, I, is this real? Is this actually happening right now? So finally I was like, okay, Lord. And, and this was what was surfacing that feeling of, of not being connected to God or, or that he wasn't listening or, or, you know, that I couldn't, um, just connect. Yeah. And so finally I was like, all right, I just, I have to leave. This is not productive. I, I get up, I start to leave. And as soon as I walk out, I get attacked by the bird again. And so I run <laughs> to my car and, but I take all of this into the session the next day. And, and that's when I was able to, to realize that, oh yeah, I, I don't know that I really believe God's there for me. Yeah. And that was the, the healing part. Very, very powerful. Thanks. For <laughs> yeah. I mean, I felt like I was just on a journey with you and it was, yeah. it had every emotion in it, but I know that part <laughs> where you turn any emotion into anger because it's an easier emotion to Jeez. deal with. So yeah, it, it, 
it gives you a sense of control, right? Yeah. Or at least a, a feeling like, okay, I, got I, can, this. I can do something <laughs> about this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that was the other thing they talk about in the healing retreat was all of these kind of counterpoints, right? So if the wound is this, then the vice that you tend yes. to go to is this mm. and, and how all of that uh, manifests basically. Well, yeah. But you, Nick, a time when you experienced healing or what does this bring up for you? Yeah. Um, I think reflecting on this, it's not necessarily for me one event or one thing. There's, you know, some physical healing that I'm thinking of, but, but really, Paul, as you were talking, I look back and I think through high school, college, post-college, there's, there's probably a retreat in each of those phases of mm -hmm. my life that kind of stands out. Yeah. And it's like, there were many weekends in high school, in college, post college, but I always remember my retreat weekends, right? Whatever, whatever, wherever I was at in life, whatever I was going through, there was something that made that experience stand out um, through adoration, confession. Those are always part of those events, right? Which is such a good place um, to be and to be vulnerable and to get back or to get closer with God. Um, and so not one specific thing, but just, just a, a general like reminder of you. Oh, Hey, you want to go on this retreat? And you're like, Oh, it's a whole weekend. Uh, <laughs> gosh, like I would rather watch whatever football. It's like, I've watched a hundred thousand of those, like, and I don't remember them Any, at all. Yeah. But right? you remember every, retreat. But I remember every retreat. Right. Yeah. So it's just like lean into that. Yeah. Wow. I got to tell you something. I had a, idea in my head when I asked this question, what I was going to tell you, but I'm not going to answer it that way because I think every time I listen to you guys, it uh, brings things out. So I appreciate your vulnerability. I'm not even going to talk about healing. I'm going to talk about the need for healing because right now I need it. And uh, it comes from this. I actually mentioned this to you two days ago, Father. The uh, school board that I am the president of comes with a lot of different um Opinions. <laughs> and a lot of times his opinions are about the job that's being done and good or bad. And that's, sure. that's life. Sure. And then the opinions become about me, the human. And, and I know that they're not, actually not really coming about me or for me. They're usually coming from somebody else's place of whatever they're going through. Sure. But I find myself when I'm being attacked right now in that world, right? This world of uh, trying to form our children and, create an incredible environment for them and to not have a civil discourse or for somebody to not focus on the, the actual impact or the, the job that I'm doing, but to focus on me and in some of the vile stuff that I've read or seen about me has been, it's hard for me to not be mad. It's hard for me to even react in a charitable way when the next question comes, even if the question is innocent from certain parties, because, uh, man, right now I'm harboring it. So I'm in need of healing father. I'm just going to tell you that. We'll see how this ends it. Okay. I'm here. Yeah. No, because I've got, I mean, we've got some options on the table, but I want to, I'll drive towards the end and I think we'll be able to tackle it. Well, good. I know we said we'd, we finish every show different. So I'll, yeah. I'm going to just hand it over to you right now. And if you want to share any time that you needed healing or you want to go straight into conversations around our actual healing in this room, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of anything from here out. Well, I'll, sh I'll share the, because the one, because you said God is there for me, mm. right? Is that, am I articulating that right? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. the feeling of whether or not he was really there for is me. Is he really there for me? I mean, I knew he existed. Yeah. It was just the personal part. Yeah. What I, my big healing was um, 
something, it's a phrase that I made up, uh, um, healing from what we call existential guilt. These are my words. You're not going to find it in a book anywhere. But existential guilt, existential meaning core of your being, and guilt meaning that I was sorry that I existed. Oh. And that I did not believe this is in seminary. There was this, even though I knew God loved me and I knew he died for me and like, you know, I've had all of that, but like deep down inside, like this is my second, third year of seminary. If you would have pressed me, if I would have died that day, I would have stood before God and he'd be like, Hey, you were great down there, man. Like you, but kind of full. And, uh, don't know if there's a lot of space for you. And I'll be, oh, no, no, yeah, no, I get it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. But I'll just, like, the hell or just, like, stay in purgatory. Like, what? <laughs> you know, it's like I didn't, I didn't, I knew his love was for everyone else. Yeah. But I didn't know it was for me. And so it was the day that I realized that I was worthy of God's love that my life changed. And I preached on that this on yesterday yeah. at conference, right? And that was the distinction I had to make was, are you worthy of God's love is a question. And we have to make a distinction. There's no behavior that we can do to earn God's love, right? Right. But why do you love your children? Because they exist. Yes. Can your children ever lose your love? Will they test it? <laughs> Constantly. Right. But regardless of how much they test it, will they ever lose it? No, never. So if that's the way you love your children, how much more does God love you? And so I'll ask you guys, and your response can be, I am, for the first question. I am for the second question. Are you guys, and you, or viewers, answer with us. Are you worthy of God's love? I am. Some of it or all of it. <laughs> Working on it. No. What's the answer? I am. Um, well, there's the there's the textbook answer that you know we know ought to be right. Yeah. But then there's right the belief answer. Right. So let me ask you. Let's let's ease into this. Is water wet? Yes. Wait. <laughs> yes. Is water wet? Te technically, yes. Unless you're a fish. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> is the sun bright? Yes. Is it humid in Texas, right? <laughs> yes. Most of the time. Right. Um, are you worthy of God's love? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, Why? Because. Because of him. No. Why? Because you exist. You love your children because? They exist. They exist. They exist. Right. So if you love your children because they exist, why would God love you? Because you exist. Because you exist. Deus caritas est. God is love. We are made in the image and likeness of God. Therefore, we are love. Not loved, not lovable, but when you hold a baby, it doesn't even have to be yours. You're holding, you're just like in awe mm. of the beauty of creation. And it's pure love. That's why God tells us we're children. Or his little children that he loves. So let's walk through this again. Are you worthy of God's love? I am. I am. I am. 
Some of it or all of it? All of it. All of it. All of it. Why? Because I exist. Because I exist. I'm here. That's it. And that's what I had to learn. Father, that was incredible. You've given us... Well, thank you. I mean, I don't have any words for this, Paul. <laughs> thank you. I think the best way to wrap this out for everybody listening and for all the Beatitudes is um, just to ask you to to pray for us. This will be our special way to, to finish is to have our first priest pray us out of here. So thank you for the gift you've given us and I'll turn it over to you. You're welcome. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Lord, we bless and thank you for calling us by name, for making us in your image and likeness, which is love. Lord, help us get over ourselves, get beyond our behavior, to allow us to see ourselves as you look at us, to know that when you gaze upon us, you see your beloved sons, your beloved daughters, in whom you are well pleased. And may Almighty God bless and keep you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, we'll see you in Texas or throughout the U.S. or on mission. But every time we go to Mass, and for all of you attending Mass as well, we'll see you in the Eucharist. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to join us at our undersized table, subscribe to the video version of the show on YouTube by typing at, that's the symbol at, so shift and two on your keyboard, at the underscore Beatitudes on YouTube. We'll see you there. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.